There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, a man that likes his pleasure spiked with pain. He is the captain of our musical aeroplane. Say hello, Captain. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you, and thanks for all the support, and make sure you tell a friend. This week, we are drinking Dirt Wolf. It's a double IPA by Victory Brewing Company, garage grade. I give it four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. And who is this beer sponsored by this week? It's sponsored by our good friends that helped us fill up the fridge this week. We have Yule in Sunrise, Florida. Courtney like your Jim. In Three Bridges, New Jersey. Like your Jim. Robert in Fort McMurray, Alberta. Really nice Jim. And Linda in King Lake, Victoria, Australia. Oh, Aussie Jim. And if you would like to help us fill up the fridge for next week, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And for everything True Crime Garage, go to truecrimegarage.com. Make sure you sign up on that mailing list. Follow us on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, at True Crime Garage. We try to reply to everybody that we get, so just be patient because... Uh, the, the social media stuff has really taken off for us. That's right. That's right. We are, the garage has gone global. We are worldwide now, baby. Well, we've been worldwide. We're just a little more popular. We're becoming the popular kids in class. And you got no class. But speaking of replying to emails and speaking of going global, we've had a lot of Canadian, wonderful Canadian listeners request cases. And this, this week we are doing a listener request. And it's yeah, about from time. beautiful Canada. I believe it's our first international case, right? Yeah, because you keep picking cases from Ohio. That's right. That's right. Uh, Nobody's ever going to want to visit Ohio ever again. Oh, Canada. We love beautiful Canada. Didn't they invent hockey or something? Beautiful people in Canada. Yeah, and Canada has given us a lot of great things. They gave us Wayne's World, right? Mike Myers is from Canada. And one of our favorites, Michael J. Fox. Celine Dion. Oh, yeah. forgot. I was trying to forget about Celine Dion. That's my favorite. 
I think they also gave us uh, Rachel McAdams. Oh, one thing I want to touch on real so quick. So if anybody knows Rachel McAdams, just let, let her know that Captain said hi. Okay. <laughs> but one thing I want to touch on real quick here, Captain, talking about the emails. You know what the number one question we get emailed to us every week? I know what the number one case is. Okay. So here's the number one question we get, and I'm just going to answer it for everybody right now. Uh-huh. We, the, the email that we constantly get is, I'm a new listener, I love the show, and I've just binge listened to everything I could find, True Crime Garage, and I've noticed that a bunch of your early episodes are missing. How can I find these, and how can I listen to them? Well, you can go to the iTunes store, you can purchase them there, you can go to our website, you can go to the store page and purchase them there. They are available for purchase, we hope you dig them. Alright, that's enough of the business. That's right, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer, and let's talk some true crime. missing, Shelly got a number of calls from her distraught daughter, asking her to come out and help her move back to Ontario. But within hours, Emma would call back, telling Shelly not to come. But mother's intuition told her she needed to. Without telling her daughter, Shelly boarded a plane. When she got to Victoria, the shelter said Emma was gone. She'd left just hours earlier. Emma was last seen by two police officers walking near the harbour just meters away from where the dive team concentrated its search today. I thought that it would just be a matter of time. I'd go around a corner and I would see her. Now she says she knows it won't be that simple. Emma's belongings were discovered in her van. She hasn't accessed her bank account. Her mother believes Emma is suffering from a serious mental health issue and may have gone into hiding. Police also believe she's still alive. You know, we've had a little bit of a cooling off period, maybe that she's not feeling like there's so much pressure and we're kind of hoping that uh, we'll find her now. Maybe that uh, peace will come in or maybe she'll contact somebody in the family and uh, we'll be able to make sure she's safe. But the efforts of Vic PD investigators and teams of volunteers have turned up nothing. Emma was scheduled to return to work at Redfish Bluefish Restaurant last Friday. Her mom hoped she'd just show up, ready to rejoin society. She did not haven't lost hope that that would be absolutely not the case um it's just going to take longer than i thought i guess This week we have the mysterious disappearance of Emma Filipoff. This was a big case in Canada. I am a little behind on this one, I must admit. I just pretty much recently learned about this case. Emma's case was and still is well covered in Canada, news and media. And in November of 2014, the CBC aired the Fifth Estate documentary about Emma called Finding Emma. Emma went missing in Victoria, British Columbia, but was originally from Perth, Ontario. 
which is about a 45-minute drive if you obey Canadian and U.S. traffic laws and hold a passport. So to put this in perspective for everyone, Perth is pretty much just north of New York State, and Victoria is all the way over by Vancouver, basically just north of Seattle. Emma, as said, was from Perth. She was born January 6th, 1986. Emma, from listening to others talk about her and describe her, she was a creative, artistic person, from all accounts, a pretty private person as well. She played the ukulele and always wore long pants. She had long hair, and she looked different to me in some of the pictures that I saw, almost like I was even looking at a different person. You know, I saw several pictures that were used for missing posters and of her in recent years before she went missing and she her appearance changes a little bit she she tends to look slightly different from time to time to me yeah which i think makes this very difficult when you have a person go missing um in past cases that we've done a lot of the people that go missing they the, the, some of the problems that they have is that they have a normal look mm-hmm. emma uh very beautiful girl she doesn't have a normal look it's more artistic but it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. It, like you said, it's like one picture to the next. You go, well, is that her sister? Or is that her? Yeah, and I don't know if it was just the pictures themselves, but some of them look to me like her hair is a little lighter, and other pictures it looks more like it's brown, you know, even maybe a dark brown or a light brown. Well, some women get bored with their hair color and hair styles, so they constantly change them. But it sounds like, and it appears to me, that she is a very free-spirited person. Uh, I almost got a little bit of a hippie vibe, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think a lot of her style would be that, but it's it's very eclectic because she'd do uh, things stylistically with her outfits where she would have more of a hippie-type pants, but then more elegant top. So it's, it's very artistic I would say but she did not arrive in Victoria until the fall of 2011 so we have this whole other life before way back in Perth Ontario and she grew up in a pretty regular family right she had she was born uh, January 6 1986 Uh, her father uh, James and her mother Shelly she had two brothers and a sister the Philip all family seemed pretty normal and like we were talking before, I believe James was involved in the arts somehow, and mm-hmm. Shelley was a French teacher at some point. At some point, the marriage is not going so great, and uh, James starts seeing a younger lady. This uh, causes a lot of fracture in the family. This also causes a lot of depression in Shelley. At some point, there is a confrontation. Uh, Shelley just loses it. She goes off on James, uh, I think, maybe tried to physically attack him. I'm not really for sure of the exact details, but I believe that Emma actually had to call the police on her mother. So this was obviously something that was uh, traumatic. And anybody that has gone through the whole split of a family understands that, especially as the child, it seems like your whole world is rocked and you feel like what is up and what is down, it just kind of gets flipped around and you really start trying to, you you don't feel like there's a sense of a core family, so you start coming up with these new rules on your own, and how do you want to live your life, and what is right for you, and I think this is what Emma started doing. At this point, she stops uh, regular school. Uh, she moves out of the family's home. She's not going to be living with James or Shelly at this point. 
uh, rumored to have a boyfriend that was 10 years older. So she's 16 at this time. The boyfriend's 26. She eventually is tired of all that and asks her father, James, if she can move back in. Now, it seems like by all accounts that James is not a confrontational person, either is Emma. So she had sides of both parents, Shelly and James, but leaning on that artistic side of James. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and from what I read, the other children were more involved in uh, competition and, and things like sports. And she was, Emma was always involved in like dance class. Um, and at some point where once you quit learning the dance, well, you never quit learning the art, but at some point well, you start, are you a dancer? I, I don't, I, I've never, Nick I, never quit learning the art of dance during the trailer. I was chair dancing <laughs> and collar popping. Uh, but at what I'm saying is you never quit studying. You never quit learning. Right. But at some point it graduated into dance competitions right. and her parents, Shelly says, you know, that's when Emma seemed to lose interest in in the dance class because she was so not into competition. She was non-confrontational and it yeah, just and didn't I, spark her interest. Anymore. Yeah. I used to teach uh, guitar students and some kids you could motivate by, you know, competition. Maybe their dad played. So you wanted to try to get them better than their dad was. But some kids just did not understand competition. Didn't get it. It was like, it was like this foreign idea that made zero sense. She seems like one of those souls. Um, so when she moves back into the house, you know, instead of going back to regular high school, she ends up going to alternative school. She gets high marks. She seems like a very, you know, not only artsy, but very intelligent individual. And then she ends up getting some scholarships and going off to school, I believe for culinary arts. Mm -hmm. And I think all the nomadic lifestyle and the whole idea of finding out what the world has to offer kind of stem from the separation of the family. And that's just my viewpoint on it. So after the culinary school, I think like you were mentioned that she um, taught English in China for a while. Yeah. And, I think that was pretty brief. It was just a matter of a few months. Yeah. And then she comes back and then she's kind of him hauling around and I think, it, and she did live with her sister at some point in Nova Scotia. So we're already seeing this in and out of the home. Um, and she's right. already not only in and out of the home, but adventuring off into these, these foreign places into these different areas of life and lifestyle. Yeah. And she seemed like she had a lot of friends, but she also was a closed off individual. She mm -hmm. didn't share everything, uh, which I think is, um, a pretty interesting quality to have, you know, I, she journaled a lot and from all accounts of her journals, it seemed like it was very poetic. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you could read something, but you're, you're going, is this, uh, what does this mean? Right. Does it, does it mean a, does it mean B, you know, yeah, is, and this will come back later and we'll talk more about this, but, uh, even her emails would be kind of poetic. So, uh, but very, uh, positive, I would say spiritual, yeah. you know, uh, somebody that um, was really trying to be a positive light force in, in other people's lives. Yeah, and it's somebody that was really taking it all in as well. And, and you know, those poetic readings can be hard to read. You know, as you said, what what are you referencing in those actual topics? Are you, are you expressing your inner feelings? Are you expressing something that you're seeing, experiencing? It's tough to say. Yeah, and she she actually went and studied uh, photo photojournalism for a while. Mm -hmm. Wasn't really too much into 
the journalism part. Yeah, that's a kind of a cutthroat uh, industry, the journalism part. Yeah, maybe some of that not being confrontational, one, not being competitive. Maybe that's just something that turned her off of it, but she was still really interested in photography, which is interesting about this whole stuff because when you Google images of Emma, you'll find a lot where she's taking selfies, but not you know, not the selfies we know of now where you take it on your phone. She's taken actual like old school selfies where she's taking a picture in the mirror and you can see the old school camera that she's using. So now she's in Perth and she's going to make a pretty dramatic shift in her life. She's going to travel pretty far across, across the country. Like we said, she's in Perth, which is a little bit above like New York City. Like if you're looking at the map of the United States and she's going to go all the way to Victoria, which the West Coast. is the West Coast. And this is around the Seattle area, like uh, above Seattle. Yeah, very near Vancouver, just above, uh, just north of Seattle. Um, why would she be making this move? It's kind of tough to say. I don't even know that her parents know 100% why she moved out there. It appears to me that she may have always wanted to venture off somewhere. It, that she was probably intent on moving somewhere, changing her life, setting up her adult life. And, and living a certain kind of lifestyle. I don't know if she just picked a random place or if there mm -hmm. was something that drew her to that area. Well, and she might have also just had a bucket list of all these different lives that she wanted to live. And maybe one of those was on the west coast of, um, in the west coast of the country. And she was an outdoorsy person. I would say that, you know, we, we talk about long walks and things well, like yeah, that. Well, yes, spiritual, a little hippie. And kind of a little bit of a tree hugger. And I think that Victoria was a bit of a, a, a place that people like that tended to end up. Well, kind of like Seattle, you know, Seattle is a great place for, you know, you know, keep Seattle weird. So if you're a little, little different, you know, you want to be around, uh, the different vibes. I think that's what she might've been searching for. But before she moves out there, there is this relationship or friendship that she gets involved in and some have referred to it as a relationship a uh, maybe a romantic one some people call it acquaintance and some people just simply call it a friendship yeah and i i the, here, here i'm just going to throw it out there i think it was a friendship or you know i think it was a little more than just an acquaintance and who is this person his name is jillian and how they meet is they're at a music festival yeah, they're at a music festival, and Julian says that he saw Emma. She was in a like a booth. You know, they have they had booths there for different artists, and you could you could view their art, you could purchase their art. And uh, this was a photographer, and he he kind of pretends like he's really interested in the photographer and in their booth and the art. But it sounds more like he was just going to that area because he noticed her from afar and thought, you know, well, here's an attractive girl that I'd like to talk to. Well, let me break this down for all the women listeners, right? This is how it works in men's head. We're, I think they know how it works, but go ahead. Well, well, first of all, well, all men are dumb. Let's start with that idea. But normally the way it works is that men are so visual that the whole idea of uh, love at first sight, that's a man thing. Right, because we just so I believe Julian uh, saw Emma from across the way and just was like, I got to get to know her, and I uh, a little sappy, but you know, I I think this guy was maybe a little bit of a loner, maybe didn't get a lot of attention his way from the ladies, 
Um, I'm just speculating at this point. But he sees this girl that he just is fascinated with. And he wants to get to talk to her. And she happens to be at a photography booth. So guess who's going to go act like they're interested in photography? Exactly. Well, it is a multiple day uh, festival. So, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows? Some people try to hook up at these things. We don't know his intent. But we do know that he says that he goes to the photographer's booth with with the idea that hopefully he will talk to this girl or she might talk to him. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he's in there and he's pretending he's somewhat interested in the art, but uh, that's a typical male though. I really hope she talks to me. Yeah. Like just get, just make the move. So he's telling the photographer that he would like to set up a time where he could go to her gallery and maybe view some of her art, maybe purchase some of it, get to know. Yeah. And at this point they're in a conversation together. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like she's had, He's having a conversation with the photographer, but Emma's kind of involved in the conversation. Yeah, it's kind of a good, easy way to meet the girl that you spotted from across the way. Mm-hmm. And at some point, she asked him if he's going to go in to see the band that's going to play inside. And of course, the answer is yes, right? When the girl you're hoping to talk to asks you if you're going to go somewhere, the answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was at this festival that they sp- sparked up this friendship. And he told her that he intended to go and take a bike ride to see the photographer and talk more about her art and view more of it. And uh, she says, Emma says, well, this sounds like a great idea. I, you know, I could go with you. Uh, mm-hmm. How about we go tomorrow? Yeah. And it's pretty interesting because this, uh, this guy is a little bit of an interesting bird. Uh, I, I like parts of his jib, I can say, because uh, he doesn't drive a car. He's just not driving a car. He's into bike riding his bike, which yep. is cool. Um, and so they start hanging out. They build up some kind of friendship. Um, and they don't actually go see the photographer the next day like Emma had wished because mm-hmm. obviously the photographer is going to stay on for the remainder of the music festival, which is going to last again until the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But what he says ends up happening is instead they go uh, canoeing and that they had a pretty good weekend. And he said that it wasn't until maybe a week later that they saw each other again. Uh, he describes their relationship as pretty much a friendship, that they enjoy doing things together. Uh, they seem to have some things in common and some similar interests. Yeah, and he's a French guy. So some of his, when you, there's a really cool interview with him that, that the listeners should check out uh, that you'll go and we'll go into more detail uh, that interview goes into more detail than we will, mm-hmm. but he, some of his French gets lost. Like as far as his, the translation is a little off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he says, well, I don't know if it was a crush. Uh, it's definitely an infatuation, right. right? He's infatuated with this girl. He, he believes that she's a very pretty individual. She's given him a little attention and all, by the way, she's a little bit of a horse of a different color. So th- that's fascinating. And he says that she pretty much only like she wants to go on walks like Mm -hmm. that's and she wants some company on these walks. And that's what they primarily did on the times that he met up with her and through the course of their friendship. Mm -hmm. And he did say that it, according to him, it did become romantic one evening. um, And then and we don't know exactly what that means. Maybe it was just a a kiss. Maybe we're not for sure. No, we don't. We're not going to give the play by play because we don't know. But he says it did get romantic one evening, and he said that seemed to dramatically change 
the friendship afterwards that uh, she had expressed to him that she was going to be leaving uh, town, that she was moving to live elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And that because of this, she didn't want to get into any type of relationship with him. Right. And I think some of this possibly could stem from the relationship uh, going south with her mother and father. She might have some issues there. Uh, I, also, possibly, she, Emma comes off as a, as a person that doesn't want to make any plans. And I wonder yeah. if that stems from the idea that you have this family structure and then it gets fractured and that changed everybody's life course. And I wonder if she's just afraid to make plans because then those plans get, get could get ruined. I also wondered if it was one of two or if not both things. Was she so dead set on leaving town that she didn't want to have anything to keep her there mm-hmm. or did she was she leaving town to to live a different life and didn't want anything from her past life tagging along to this into this new world that she's venturing off in yeah we have this relationship and it took off it somewhere and uh, after a romantic advance or romantic encounter mm-hmm. at some point we have Emma saying, no, we got to call this off because I'm moving and we're not going to have a relationship. She, uh, you know, this doesn't sit well with Julian. He, he is, he likes her and he's probably wondering, oh, what happened to this friendship now? And possibly he could just be going, okay, yeah, we made a mistake. We shouldn't be like a romantic couple, but he still wanted her and her and his life. And it sounds like to me that this relationship took place over the course of a few weeks and mm-hmm. that they had only seen each other maybe 10 or a dozen times. Uh, so it, where it may have meant something for him, it may have meant something totally different to her. We know she's planning on leaving and, but he wants more answers. You know, he's, that's not good enough, you know, and yeah. sometimes you do need to be told, Hey, you know, he wants closure exactly. on some level. So he calls and he, he wants, he wants further explanation why there's no friendship anymore. And she basically tells him the same thing, but well, also well, what's says, interesting is James actually picks up the phone. Well, not on this, not on this call. There, there's a first call where she tells him not to call anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I wish you would not call anymore. And, and then you're right. He does call again. And at this point, James picks up the phone and he says, you know, Julian, he already, she already said not to call her anymore. And he Mm -hmm. explains to the father, the same thing that he said to Emma on the first call. And then she does hop on the phone and she is a little more polite about it this time where it's, you know, kind of lets him down easy, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he says he felt better and he was felt like he was going to be able to move on at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you have these uh, breakups, even if it's just a friendship, where, you know, somebody is a positive positive light in the other person's life and the other person doesn't really need the other person around. Mm-hmm. So what becomes interesting here is so he feels like, okay, yeah, well, that's more closure. I get it. Okay, she was a really cool girl, but now she's just not going to be in my life. And then the next day, Emma shows up at his house mm-hmm. and, and I, and I respect this because it's this idea of, yeah, well, I should have talked to you face to face. I shouldn't have talked to you on the phone. Uh, you deserve better than that. They had a little bit longer and more in depth talk about this. They hugged it out and said, wish you luck. And that's it mm-hmm. becomes a little more interesting when she shows up the next day. Yeah. And it's, Hey, you want to go for a walk? 
It's another one of Emma's walks. And now we should, uh, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but she doesn't like to walk in shoes. Okay. She likes to walk barefoot. So much so that she would be rubbing the bottoms of her soles so bad that there would be almost like blood on her feet. Mm -hmm. So uh, he explains that he goes on this walk with her and she's playing her ukulele. She only knows about one chord and she's plunking away. And basically he makes some silly remark because she wears the same, she has these like famous pants that she wears, these like hippie style pants. And he makes this remark about it that she gets a little upset. She wants to finish the walk. Yeah. Something to the fact of, you know, why, why don't you ever wear dresses or you, you know, you seem to wear the same thing all the time. Right. Some, a remark along those lines. So she finishes the walk by herself and now we're kind of back to where we started because, or, you know, there were friends, then they kind of broke up and then they're going to not be friends anymore, but everybody's okay with it. And now we're on a walk again. We're friends, but now she gets upset. And so kind of a whirlwind for a guy that has such a, a fascination with Emma. Mm-hmm. Well, but the, sim- the simplicity of it is it sounds to me like she has plans. He doesn't have any plans. No, he has plans. I mean, he's going to school. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Emma is going to, the fr- friendship is severed. It didn't get the clean closure like Julian wanted. And now Emma is going to head off to Victoria. And at this point, Julian is going to stay and finish school. And now it's time for... The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, 
language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Beer break. Emma Filipoff arrives in Victoria from Perth in the fall of 2011. She had several jobs in the year leading up to her disappearance, but she did work as a chef while she was in Victoria. She worked at the Redfish Bluefish. One fish, two fish. Thank you, Dr. Seuss. Where I guess she was like a seasonal employee, but it sounds also like this was just a seasonal restaurant. Um, She left the job October 31st, 2012. She did say that she... Well, she technically didn't leave the job, but the job stopped for the season. 
they closed. And she did say that she intended to return when the restaurant would open again after the winter months. Emma had been staying at the Sandy Merriman house. This is a women's shelter and it's a off and on situation for her since about February of 2012. And when I say off and on, I believe they had a month in and a month out policy, but you could return after your month out and you could stay again for another month. Yeah. There was a lot of speculation that she was there most of the time, but it seems like she was a wanderer in Victoria. She would stay at a friend's houseboats, possibly even staying underneath a tree. There's mention of even a Emma tree house. Well, and there was some couch surfing, I'm sure that was involved, you know, staying with friends or maybe coworkers, but she would end up from time to time, you know, month here, month there at this women's shelter. And, you know, this is a place where, you know, they take in people that need a place to stay. And sometimes, you know, when you have a women's shelter, it's because some people are seeking refuge from a domestic violence situation, or they've been thrown out of their homes for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But you know, these are, these are people in need of a place to stay. Uh, some of them just homeless. Some of them are taking advantage of a, of a free situation, I guess. Mm -hmm. And there were some interesting things happening at this point. Um, we're going to talk a little bit later about these surveillance tapes that you'll see Emma on the day that she goes missing. But there's some accounts, there's some stuff going on with her mentally. But when she writes home to family members, she's always talking in poetry. So everything's really kind of cryptic, you know, but it's always light, airy, very positive, upbeat kind of uh, tone to it. Um, so at this shelter, she actually took all the electronics, the TV, the radio, clocks, stuff like that, and they she puts it out in the yard. And then they say to her, this stuff can't go out in the yard. Yeah, and these are not her things. Right, right? these They're are the shelter's uh, property, and she takes them out. And they said, you can't do that. And so instead of returning to them, I believe she either put them in a bush or she just put them around. Like, she, she didn't put them back where they belonged. Mm -hmm. and, and just a couple weird things like that that would happen. And after her disappearance, they would, the staff at the shelter would say that she was exhibiting... Uh, obvious signs of maybe paranoia or some kind of mental health issue going on with Emma. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was a lot of drugs involved. Like, I mean, I couldn't find anything that like would state that she um, liked certain types of drugs or anything. So this, to me, seems like some kind of psychosis going on. Just days before her disappearance on November 28th, Emma had called her mother, Shelly, asking if she could come home and of course, her mother was ready to help. Now, I should point out that we already talked about that her parents were split up. So she's just reaching out to one parent mm -hmm. and saying that she would like to come home. Her mother, Shelly, is saying, you know, I'll, I'll buy you a plane ticket. And then Emma's calling back or, or saying, you know, I'm not ready to come home yet. There's too many things for me to take care of. There's a lot of back and forth between her and her mother about her coming home her not coming home. Well, what's interesting is with her having this artistic spirit and her dad being involved in, in, in the arts in some fashion, it seemed like maybe she was closer personal personality-wise to her father, James. But, you know, it's your mother. So when you... To to me, and, and this is different for every family, but most of the time, if the son is having trouble and he needs help, he calls his father. If the daughter is having trouble 
she calls the mother. So the first call comes in. She says, hey, I, I need some help. And then calls right back. No, I'll take care of it. And and at this point, Shelly is talking to the family members saying, hey, I talked to Emma. And they said, hey, well, if she said she'll take care of it, you don't need to go. Mm-hmm. So she said, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. Until it happens again. Yeah, because at one point she stops this, I'm, I need to come home. You know, and she's saying she's got to tie up loose ends beforehand. But now she's asking if Shelly would come out there and help her with, with tying these things up and gathering her things right. to help her return home. So there's these conversations of I'm coming home or could you come out and help me? Well, and Emma's not being forthcoming with exactly what she's doing all the time. So it's like she's off on these adventures and she's riding home, like I said, cryptically. So... Shelly at this point really kind of has no idea how much trouble she's in or if she is in trouble. Just my daughter's calling saying, I'd like to come home. Yeah. She doesn't know that she's in trouble. And actually the family doesn't know that she had been staying off and on at this women's shelter. Right. So Shelly's now in a situation where she's booking plane tickets to get her daughter home. She's booking plane tickets to get herself out to Victoria to, to bring her daughter home and this is like we said, it's not a short trip. This is a this is a big flight, you know. And Shelley would have to make arrangements to go out there. She has family and responsibilities back in Perth that she needs to take care of. Yeah, and she's going across the whole country. Yeah, and I think she even had a pet, you know, that needed to be watched, and and a a, a child that was still living at home. Um, and so this would be this would take some arranging to go out there and get her daughter. We're seeing this situation, Captain. Is this anything like the on and off again thing that we saw with Julian back in Perth before she left? I mean, we see this uh, within a handful of days. She's asking her mother to make arrangements, whether it be for her to go home or for Shelly to come out there. And then she's ultimately just canceling uh, sometimes at the last minute Uh, over and over again. It's this back and forth, back and forth between, you know, should I stay or should I go kind of situation. Where well, I think she kind of is just lost, really. And and so if you're calling your, your family members for help, there's the, there's possibility where she's calling and feeling better. Like, okay, my mom's going to come help me. But then maybe getting some anxiety or, like I said, if there's some psychosis going on that she, I mean, who knows at this point. Ultimately, Emma's mother, Shelly, she decides that she would just go ahead and head out to Victoria, unbeknownst to Emma. Uh, She was going out there, and we can only assume that she was going out there to check on the well-being of her daughter and to see if, for herself, if Emma needed to come home or needed any help while she was out there. Let's break down the movements and what we know about Emma and what she was doing on the day that she disappeared. This is November 28th, 2012. Emma talks to the hotel staff at the Chateau Victoria. This is a hotel uh, just after 7 a.m. She had her van. It was a 1993 Mazda MPV, red in color, and it is believed that she was primarily using this van for storage. Uh, now this does make sense because sometimes at these shelters or homeless shelters, there are, there's thievery that would take place and having a vehicle or a place to store your things would be great, you know, to keep those items, whether they have monetary value or just simply value to yourself. Mm -hmm. 
I couldn't find anywhere, like any record that whether or not this van worked. That was what I was most curious about because that would be, a, you know, an obvious form of transportation that she would have at her disposal at any time. And, you know, she parked it there. That's what I wondered. Does it work? Because it, it, they say she often parked it there, which makes it sound like this van may have yeah. moved around from time to time. Maybe it worked, but it does not work that well. Like not enough where she'd want to take it on a, on a long road trip to drive 45 hours to get back to Perth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it was, it was running, but in much need of repair. She talks to the hotel, the hotel staff because she parked in a neighboring parking lot and she had, the vehicle had been towed. It had been towed away and we should note that the hotel is very close to the Sandy Merriman House women's shelter where mm -hmm. she had stayed often. Yeah, it seems like this community is pretty, you can get by by just walking. Yeah, and after talking to this hotel staff, finding out that her vehicle has been towed, um, she uses her bank card at 8.23 a.m. This is at a 7-Eleven, uh, and this is about a block away from the hotel. She is seen on camera, and she is seen purchasing a prepaid credit card. She's seen looking out the window here uh, for what is described as a longer-than-usual amount of time, almost like she's looking for someone or waiting for someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little... It's almost like she's checking to see if her ride's there. Mm -hmm. you know. And then that's where a lot of people go, well, was she looking for somebody? Was she fearful of somebody? Was the person actually real or was it just uh, some some sort of psychosis where she's just imagining somebody? From here, we can't say for certain, but it is believed that Emma may have visited the library around noon. Uh, mm -hmm. And everyone will tell you that Emma often visited the library. And actually, one of the things that they found in her vehicle that had been towed was some library books that she had checked out before her disappearance. At 5.54 p.m., Emma returns to the very same 7-Eleven, and she again uses her bank card a second time. This time, she is buying a prepaid cell phone. And this time, too, she again is looking out the window, and she's pacing between the window and the door and looking out. And I believe on the first video, the first time she visits 7-Eleven, or and it might even be on the second video, there's some kind of speculation that she possibly is on a cell phone, which is very strange because why would you be purchasing a cell phone if you already had a cell phone? Mm -hmm. Maybe you just wanted a, a backup if you're thinking about traveling. Maybe that's something you would do if you're going on a, a, some kind of adventure by yourself. Um, there's just a speculation about it. I've watched it. It doesn't look like that to me, but I mean, uh, something to think about as you're watching the video. Well, and Emma was not known to have a cell phone. Right, um, yeah, there was no recollection from her father or her mother about this. And that would go more with the spiritual-type hippie lifestyle. But again, we talked about the, uh, the bank card. She did have a bank account, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, uh, maybe she had to direct deposit or, or something like that. Um, which, but I'm just saying, I just bring up that point because that is a little bit... Um, unusual i think for the nomadic lifestyle to have a bank account yeah i i would say it's just a little little different like maybe where you'd want to carry more cash maybe you'd have the bank account but you would want to be carrying cash more because this is this is somebody that obviously doesn't like to make plans 
And her mother says that she didn't believe Emma to have a cell phone because when Emma did call her, when she did call her, she, she would get random numbers. Mm -hmm. And, um, as a matter of fact, one of the times, at least one of the times when she called the name of the women's shelter had come up on the, on Shelly's caller ID. And because it was Sandy Merriman was the name of the, of what came up on her caller ID, her mother kind of assumed that that was maybe her roommate's name. Right. Or like a friend that she was staying with. Exactly. She had no clue that it was the the name of a shelter house. Mm-hmm. Emma is leaving the 7-Eleven store. She leaves there around 6 p.m. She then stops at the Sandy Merriman house. The staff reports having seen her there and seeing her leave the Sandy Merriman house just after 6 p.m. After Emma gets afterward, Emma gets into a taxi. She uses her debit card to pay for a ride. Uh, this is what turns out to be a very short ride. Early in 2013, the police were not releasing information regarding the cab ride other than to say that it was a short ride and it was only within the downtown area. Later, we would learn that she had asked the driver to drive her to the airport. She also asked the driver how much the fare will be. The driver says it's going to be about $60 and Emma says that she cannot afford the ride and then asked to be dropped off at the hotel, which is downtown Mm -hmm. uh, Victoria. And again, not more than a few blocks from the women's shelter and even a shorter distance from the 7-Eleven that she had visited twice that day. Emma asked the driver when they arrived to their spot, if she could stay in the vehicle with, with him for a, for a little while, you know, and he agrees, but then the, Does she, she want to like warm up or something. I imagine so because it was pretty cold that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, he agrees that she can stay in the vehicle, but you know, it's just until he receives a call that he's got to go on. That's going to actually pay him some money, you know? Right. And this is all strange anyways, because once she goes missing and like we talked about the bank account, she had money in the bank account. She could have actually afforded this ride. Exactly. She had, I believe, under $3,000 in her account. So it would have been plenty of money to get her to. Yeah, 60 bucks. The weird thing is that she's calling the mom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I need help. Come get me. Then she's like, nope, I don't need help. Okay. Come get me. I need help. Nope, don't come get me. And then the day that she's going missing, that this is, you know, a very important day to break down. She asked for a ride to the airport was some of the thought that, well, I'm just going to go. You know what I mean? Did why she would just she going to go home? Yeah. Why, why would you be going to the airport? Well, I, yeah. The, the other thought is too, the mother says that she's heading out there and Emma does not know about her flying out there. Mm-hmm. What's going on with her asking about going to the airport? on the same day that her mother's coming in is, you know, the same thought is you, know, maybe was she going to leave and fly somewhere on her own? Or was she going to greet her mother at the airport that she knew was coming in? Yeah. But she didn't know the mom, according to the mother, Emma right, did right, not right. know. We don't have Emma to ask if she knew if her mother was arriving or not. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be this idea of, well, I meet my mom in the airport and if I keep her at the airport, then I don't have to show her the women's shelter. I don't have to show her my van. I don't have to show her how I've been living. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's a strange thing. I'm guessing that she wanted to ride to the Victoria Airport, International Airport, which was about a 30-minute drive, so it sounds like a roughly $60 fare to me. Um, so I'm guessing that that's the airport in question. Uh, but the thing here, too, is she asks if she can stay in the taxi. And she stays for a brief period of time. Driver says, you know, yeah, until I get my next call. And then some calls start coming over on his dispatch radio. Mm -hmm. And he says that she seems to react to these calls. And she kind of panics or freaks out. And she she hastily exits the vehicle. Well, that kind of goes back to that little story I was telling you about moving the The electronics and the the clocks and stuff is. She would complain that they're too loud. Just I think I think she did the same thing in the cab ride. Was he, she was saying it's too loud. The radio's too loud. And then at some point, like maybe underneath her breath, said it's talking to me. Hmm. To me, that is a definite sign of some kind of, you know, schizophrenia, psychosis, some paranoia. There's all kinds of right, things going that, on. That here. could be happening. Again, no drug use talk from the cab driver either. No, no, he doesn't seem to think that she had been drinking or have been under the influence of anything. Now, shortly after she exits the vehicle, mm-hmm. now she is seen standing on the street, and she's barefoot. We had already said that it was very cold that day. I mean, this is, this is come on, it's obvious that it's cold. It's late November in Canada. We're assuming it would be cold, mm-hmm. and I think the reports were that it was just above... Uh, zero degrees that day, you know, uh, I don't know what the temperature was at this exact time, but this was somebody that, that knew Emma. This was an acquaintance of hers. This was a, uh, a gentleman that had bumped into her and met her at the library. She was, um, she was reading up on Japan or China or something like that. Mm. And and he was reading up on the same stuff. This sparks the conversation. So they didn't know each other well. Yeah. Okay. So there's this other thing. So now we're, you're going to bring in, in this other point. This is what, you know, makes these cases so fascinating. There's the, there's all this little tiny details that add up. So she's looking up uh, Japan, probably China. She's going to go on a trip with her father and she's saving up for this. So that, that goes back to the other point about the cab driver. Maybe she could afford the 60 bucks, but she's saving up for this trip that she's supposed to take with her father. So yeah, she can afford the 60 bucks but she's choosing not to, to save that money for that trip. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that it, even a flight from Victoria to uh, Perth or near Perth, however close you can get by airport is probably not super cheap either. It might not mm-hmm. cost thousands of dollars, but it's probably several hundreds of dollars. And for somebody that doesn't like to plan, maybe that was one of her ideas for calling her mother. Mm-hmm. Well, if I have my mother come out here and get me, then she will play. She'll pay for the plane ride home. And I can still store my money for this trip that I want to take. So this person that knows her, this guy that knew her just from that one encounter at the library. And he says acquaintance. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't say we have any kind of relationship or anything like that. It was a one-time thing that they had. I, I, it might be more than that because. He said he recognized her. And well, he, he knew her. Yeah. But it, he just wasn't like we didn't. I, I just think he's met her more than a, a couple times. Well, that doesn't really matter. What it comes down to is you run into this person that you you know their actions, you know their demeanor. He knew her by name and right. recognized her standing on the street mm-hmm. in very cold temperatures, barefoot, 
clutching her shoe. She's kind of holding her shoes to her chest. Yeah, and he goes and talks to her. Yeah, and actually he calls her by name. He comes up to her and he says, mm-hmm. hey, Emma, is everything all right? You know, because I'm sure she probably looks out of place. You know, she probably looks distraught at this point. We know that she was scared or seemed to be scared mm-hmm. by the the chatter coming over the dispatch radio. Well, I mean, if you saw anybody just walking around holding their shoes, wouldn't you think something's up? Yeah, and he says that she doesn't seem to recognize him, that she doesn't seem to know who he is. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point, she she opens up a little bit, and she she maybe maybe she recognized him after some talk. Um, but he said that he talked with her and spent almost an hour with her. Uh, but because of her actions and because of the, some, some of the things that she is saying, mm-hmm. he's very worried about her. He does not have a cell phone. I guess Victoria is the kind of place where there's just nobody with a cell phone. So if they're, if you're in Victoria, I guess nobody's hearing this on their smartphone. <laughs> no, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that's how, I, I don't know. I'm maybe. joking. Right. But well, he doesn't have one. So that's this fine. guy doesn't have one, and 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 Emma apparently didn't have one as, right, right. as well. So that's two out of whatever. Well, it's like it's like Seattle, you know. It's like keep Seattle weird, keep <laughs> Victoria weird. Right? So he goes to a nearby place and he calls nine one one. He calls the police. They arrive, mm-hmm. which I commend him for because I mean, most people. How many times have you run into somebody from high school and you just went this this dude is off his rocker? Yeah. And then he never thought twice about it. He just walked right past him. Like, oh, good good thing I'm not friends with that guy anymore. How many times? The answer is every single time. <laughs> every time. No, but no, you're right. He he sees that she seems to be distressed, and yeah. he, he wants to get her some kind of help. And so he's reporting this, mm-hmm. and um, he probably needs to go on his merry way at some point as well. Well, like you said, he talked to her for about an hour, um, and then the cops show up. Well, and the other thing too is like, okay, if I'm that guy in that situation, I don't, I'm not somebody that, that I can recognize some mental illness. I don't understand it. And I'm also not trained in how to, Mm -hmm. to treat it or deal with it or to get this person the proper help. And I think his heart was in the right place. I'm going to get, put her potentially in touch with somebody that could help her. Right. And you don't, you know whether so, sometimes you run into somebody that has an addiction problem and then you run into somebody that has a mental issue and sometimes they look very similar. It's hard to distinguish you know, so, between the two. Yeah. So sometimes you're just going, is, is this person uh, on something, mm-hmm. you know, or is there just something not right in their head currently? And so the police arrive and they spend what they say is about 45 minutes talking with Emma. Um, they ask her, you know, Several questions, you know, I would, I would have liked to have been a fly on a street sign that day, mm-hmm. uh, to hear their conversation. I wish you were a fly her. on the street sign too. <laughs> uh, but they, I'd, s- I'd hit you with a newspaper. They say that they ask her, you know, some general questions, you know, have you, have you been eating? Do you have a place to stay? Do have you-, you ever listened to this flies podcast? <laughs> um, no, 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 but it's good. There, there, there's a kind of common core type uh questions that they're supposed to ask to see uh, and and the thing is is because they can't arrest you just because y- you might be off medicine or need medicine but they can arrest you if they think you're going to try to cause ha- harm to yourself or somebody else 
Yeah, and she does tell them that she has a place to stay. She tells them that everything is fine. She says she's been eating, you know. Oh, just like I said. Um, she said everything was fine. Uh, her mother, Shelly, has asked the police quite a bit about this conversation that they had with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's concerned that maybe they didn't uh, handle things uh, in Emma's best interest. Uh, that, and that look, that's hard to say. As a mother, I get where she's coming from. But think about the law enforcement they spent 40 minutes to an hour with her and they felt comfortable to let her go. Well, there's a couple things here. Okay. So us, we Shelly, everybody. Now we know the end result of, of Emma that day. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that we we're looking for her. We can't find her and she doesn't seem to be around. right? Right. We know the end result, the officers there speaking with her at the time. And I believe there was two of them they don't know the end result when they're talking to this person. So right. at some point, if she seems sane and if she seems to know, have her, you know, wherewithal about her that, that, that they have to go, they have a job to do and they have other people to look after as well. Um, well, I, and also if you're in a manic or a psychotic state, sometimes you can be very persuasive. So does that make any sense at all? We, oh yeah. Well, and, so, and, and, so, and you're exactly right. So here. you're having this uh, manic, you know, a, attack basically, and you're in this manic state, and you have this mission that you're putting your mind on, and the, the cops are asking you, and and you just you just turn it on, and and maybe that's something that she was able to do. The the my issue with it is that we have a girl went missing. And they have some kind of transcripts. I don't think it's like a full transcript of what happened. No, I think it, there's some notes because be. they didn't record it. Um, I don't know what's in it. But they, but on that point, she was saying, go ahead. Well, what, what I just want to touch on something real quick. You're talking about, yeah, the transcripts of what of their conversation with her. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head right there. It's not... They didn't, they didn't write things down as they were talking with her. They may have made a couple of notes, but I'm right. assuming that mm-hmm. this is the same situation that we saw with like the West Memphis three case where we had the, the, the incident at Bojangles and the, the police did go there, but there didn't seem to be anything of interest to them. So they make a couple notes. There's not an actual report that's put together right. or, or, or an official report of that encounter until after we hear the result. And the result is later that day, Emma is reported missing. And now, oh, we spoke to that person. Yeah, yeah. We need to come up. We we need to file a report. And we're going to do most of that off memory. Yeah, and the case is still open. And and the explanation that they give to Shelley is, well, if there are criminal charges that we need to press, then this is evidence that we could use in court. It won't be admissible in court if we give uh, Shelly the records. And I just think that's kind of weird. I think the, I, I believe, and we've seen this a lot with the Mara Murray case, uh, with Fred Murray wanting information, that I believe that there should be some kind of thing where I understand that she's an adult, but she's missing, and the mom's trying to look for her and maybe open up the, that line of communication a little bit bigger. Here was the thing that disappointed me about the police officers. Now, I know that in this area, and I'm assuming that this holds true in most areas, that the police are well aware of where homeless people or people seeking shelter can go, mm-hmm. and they have a general idea of the rules of those places. And, uh, you know, 
But all these shelters, they have a curfew. You know, you can stay here tonight, Captain, if you if you're here by our curfew, by ten a by ten p.m. by well, nine my, p.m. Well, right, but it's my garage. I'll stay here if I want to. You, you're damn right. <laughs> uh, you're damn right. But what I'm getting at is, so my first thought, right, was that I was disappointed in the police because I thought, okay, here here is a woman that that appears distraught enough for somebody that knew her to call the police. Yeah. So I and and. They say that a lot of her answers were just yes and no. It wasn't a whole lot of conversation, mm. right? So my thought was, we asked her, do you have a place to stay? Yes, I have a place to stay. You know they followed that up with, where are you staying? Mm-hmm. And it could be my bad, but my first thought was, she she was staying at the women's shelter. Well, these police would know roughly what the curfew is for that evening. And I was a little disappointed that they did not drive her there seeing that this is a place that does offer help to people. And she seems to be somebody that is in need of help. But you did touch on something there where you said, maybe she could turn it on. And we don't know that she provided them with truthful answers. She could have said, I have a roommate. She could have said, I'm staying with friends. I'm staying on a boathouse. I'm living on a boathouse. And so we don't know exactly what she told her. I hope and what, I, or what she told them. Told them, yeah. And and I hope that had she told them that she was staying at the shelter, that they would have offered her some assistance getting there. And I know it was just a few right. blocks, mm-hmm. but but still, it was very cold. Nighttime is setting in, and again, someone that knew her was worried enough about her her mental state or her well being that he called the police. No, I, that all makes sense. But I was trying to dive into this angle that. If a cop picks up another uh, individual and it's not on a charge, that if something happens, they're not covered. Mm-hmm. So there, so then there's a liability issue there. And I was look, I was looking into it as much as I could. I couldn't find anything concrete. But uh, it's just like when somebody says, you know, like if you ask for a taxi ride or something, the cop can't give you a, a ride because there's liabilities there. Right, I see what you're saying. It's not a it's not a service that they need to provide to everybody. Emma's mother, Shelley, she arrives in Victoria the same day as we had said uh, that Shelley went missing, and this is as, she lands about three hours afterwards. Yeah, so as soon as she gets to Victoria, she goes to the women's shelter expecting to see her daughter Emma. The staff then tells Shelley that Emma did not come to the shelter that night to stay the night. Uh, so as we had said, these shelters have a curfew and with some of the places they may have different curfews that could vary from time to time, depending on which day of the week it is. Um, but she didn't make it there in time for curfew to stay the night. So they don't know officially that she's missing at this point. They just know that she's not there and not welcome to stay the night. Right. And they can't give Shelly that much information, but it is through talks between Shelly and the staff at the Sandy Merriman house that they determine that they're starting to put things together here and they now have to report Emma as missing. So November 28th, 2012 at age 26, Emma Philippoff is officially missing. We have so much more to discuss about this, but we are running short on time. So this is going to have to be a part two, which will come out tomorrow. We do have some recommended reading for you though, Captain. This week we are recommending The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. 
This was a big time award winning book. I do believe that there is a movie coming out regarding this case, mm-hmm. uh, starring uh, the one and only me. You? No, I don't think I'm in it. No, it's the uh, DiCaprio guy. He's going to oh. be in it. Ah, oh, we look similar. Well, there have been talks about them making this, and I think they've been making the movie for quite some time. So give up on the movie and go get the book, The Devil in the White City. This is about H.H. H. Holmes, who many regard as America's first serial hey, killer. Hey, I saw this at the bookstore, too. Yeah, this is a very popular true crime book, and you can pick it up by going to truecrimegarage.com. Go to the recommended page. We have our recommended books there, and just click on the Amazon banner. Purchase your book through there. It helps our show. You can buy other things through, through Amazon using that banner, and that helps the show as well. Uh, and I have a recommended listening you want to check out the nighttime podcast. Yes. The nighttime podcast. Uh, Jordan, our buddy over there, he did an interview with Shelly. He did, I think, two parts um, with Shelly. Uh, and then he talked to, to the Mar Murray guys about the Emma Philipoff case. Our friends as well. Yeah. And then he uh, did an interview with Julian, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. quote unquote, the stock stalker. And right? I'll tell you what, if you if you don't want to go listen to all three parts of the nighttime podcast, I recommend all three parts. They were very good. But mm-hmm. if you only think you have time for one, the must listen to is the Julian interview. I, I think that's a must listen to, right? I, I was just intrigued. I was hanging on his every word. Yeah. And if you have any tips or thoughts on this case, they have a, a Finding Emma Facebook group, mm-hmm. and I, I suggest that you check that out if you have any tips. I mean, maybe you there's a sighting. If you think that maybe you've seen her a couple of years ago, those tips that can't help them now. But uh, that's the main reason why we're covering a case like this. Uh, you know, obviously it's for education value and it's for en- entertainment, but uh, Emma was a, a person that touched a lot of people's lives and seemed like that she was a very positive energy source for a lot of people and um she's also with somebody's daughter um and it's important that we talk about these cases and bring them up and even though it is you know part of our entertainment there is somebody missing and if there's anything that we could do to help um that's why we wanted to do the story it's 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 been a popular case in canada but it hasn't been that popular in the united states um and we'll, we'll dive more into that in, in part two. And at the very least, go to the Facebook page so you can see what she looks like. And like I said, she looks different from time to time in different pictures. See what she looks like. You could see her walking down the street tomorrow morning. Yeah, and we'll be, we'll be posting pictures on our Instagram and, and social media stuff as well. And we will see you guys tomorrow for part two of the Emma Philipoff case. That's right. Be good, be kind, and don't let it. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. 
Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.